Welcome tonight for this evening's worship service. We will make a start at singing hymn number 23. Hymn number 23, Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes, most blessed, most glorious, the ancient of days, almighty, victorious, thy great name we praise. Let us praise his name as we sing hymn number 23. Let us bow our heads in prayer, asking for the Lord's help in this evening's worship service. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again that we are found in Thy presence. Lord, we often marvel at the fact that we still have the freedom to meet. We thank Thee, Lord, for the freedom of this country that we have to come and to worship Thee in spirit and in truth. Lord, we thank Thee that all that we have is because of Thee. Lord, we are thankful that we can come and sing immortal, invisible, God-only wise. We give all praise to Thee. Lord, we know that Thou art Creator. Lord, we come to Thy throne of grace. We thank Thee, Lord, for the word that has gone before us this morning. We think of those words of Job as he uttered, Though He slay me, as Lord, we can say those words tonight, Lord, we pray that we will trust in the Redeemer here. Lord, we ask of Thee that Thou would meet with us here in a special way. Lord, come before us in this meeting house. And, O Lord, that we would know the finger of God working here. Lord, we think of all the gimmicks that are going on in this world, that man has tried his own efforts to build the church. But, Lord, we know that if it's not of God, 
Lord, we only know that only Thou can build Thy church. For Thou didst say that I will build My church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Lord, we ask of Thee that Thou would start a flame here tonight, that flame of the Gospel message. And O Lord, may it be a contagious thing. And O Lord, that may we see the fruit of the labor here, that there will be souls to come to Christ. Lord, we understand that all have a soul, and that there is a need to be saved. Lord, we thank Thee for leaving the splendors of heaven to redeem a people even unto Thyself. Lord, there's many things that man can be uh, proud of here uh, with the accomplishments of this world. Lord, we know the greatest accomplishment is faith in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray that Thou would go before us. Lord, bind the wicked one. We pray against the devil and his crowd. We pray against all those opposed to the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. And Lord, we pray that Thou would give us the victory here as we meet not in man's name, but we come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. And Lord, that we can truly look up to Thee and say how great Thou art. Lord, we think of the ordination services going on. We think of Brother Logan Elder. Lord, we pray that Thou would visit him. And O Lord, that Thou would give him strength. Lord, we think of Ramon Sosa and the work there in Dominican Republic. Lord, we pray that Thou would meet with these men, O Lord, that Thou would touch their mouths, and O Lord, that Thou would give them a fruitful ministry. Lord, we pray that it needs to be a touch of God. And Lord, we can truly say, add unto the church such as that should be saved. Lord, we are in dire help here tonight. And Lord, we call upon Thee that Thou would intervene. We think of that great uh, prophet Isaiah when he said, Lord, if Thou would rend the heavens, if Thou would tear open the heavens and come down. Lord, that be our cry here tonight. Lord, if Thou would rend the heavens and come down in this place. Lord, we need the movement of God here. How many times has the arm of flesh failed Thee? But Lord, we know that when the Spirit is at work, that we can truly say glory to God. Hallelujah. Be with us here. Give us the preeminence. Lord, we pray that through Thy Word, souls will be blessed. And Lord, that we can truly leave here and encourage people, knowing that God was at work in this place. Be with us, we ask. Touch every heart. In Jesus' precious and holy name, Amen. Let us turn to another hymn, hymn number 21. Hymn number 21, Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O Thou of God and man the Son, Thee will I cherish, Thee will I honor, Thou my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Let us stand to sing hymn number 21. Thank you. 
may be seated. If you can please take your Bibles here tonight and turn to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph, when he was seeing the prosperity of the wicked. Psalm 73, and we will commence our reading at verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, But their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, Behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went in, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then, then understood I their end. And may the Lord add his own stamp of approval upon his inspired, inherent, uh, and infallible uh, word. At this point of the service, it is a pleasure once again uh, to be in your midst. Uh, We do thank the Lord uh, for this morning's service with Reverend uh, Gulliger. What a great uh, blessing it was uh, to go through the book of Job. And we do thank our brother as he is uh, residing in uh, Barrie in Barrie, Ontario, at the Barrie Free Presbyterian Church. Just a couple of brief announcements here tonight. Do remember the family skate, which is February 11th, which will take place at a time of 11.30 to 12.30, and there will be a pizza lunch at a church after. Do remember also services next week, same time at 11 a.m. in the morning, and 6.30 p.m. at night with the pre-prayer time at 5.50 and also the midweek prayer meeting. Do also remember your prayers for Brother Cranston. 
as he is gaining his health and strength, we pray the Lord would raise him back even to the pulpit ministry there. And also do remember Dr. Larry Saunders with his travels, and he will covet your prayers for him during his travels for the ordination of Brother Logan Elder and Ramon Sosa in the Dominican Republic. So the Lord would see your prayers there, that the installation of these men would be a great thing, and that the Lord would give them even labor for their work there. At this point of the service, we will turn to another hymn, 542. Five hundred and forty-two, my faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. Now hear me while I pray, take all my guilt away. Oh, let me from this day be holy thine. Let us stand to sing hymn number 542. Once again, if you can take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 8.
Mark chapter 8, and our text for tonight will be found in verse 36, a well-known portion of Scripture. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark chapter 8, and we will commence our reading at verse 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am. And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the shame, the same shall save it. For what profit, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again, that we can come to thy throne of grace. Lord, once again, we know the shortcomings of men. We ask of help, Lord, tonight in the preaching of thy word. Lord, how we need that power and fullness and movement of the Spirit of the living God. We ask of thee once again, Lord, give help to the speaker. Give a receiving heart. And Lord, that we can truly leave encouraged here tonight. Bless every heart. Meet with everyone here. And Lord, tend to the deeds of the people. Bless thy word. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. In this world, there is a value on everything. Well, you can say that everything has a value. We're living in times of inflation. 
Uh, perhaps the values, the values are going up rather than down. We see uh, fluctuating values such as uh, gas prices. They seem to go up rather than down, you can say. But values have changed ever since this world has begun that man has put a value on everything. Currency has a value. You compare currency from different countries. Some currencies are worth more. Some are worth less. But you see, at all the solemn questions that the Lord Jesus Christ, during His reign here on earth, there is not a question throughout all the Scriptures that is more sobering than the one we have here tonight. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? A great warning for those whose souls are in great danger of perishing. As the Lord Jesus Christ puts a value on the human soul. How much value do you place on your own soul here tonight? Do you understand that your soul is eternal? Do you understand that when death comes, the great separation from the body and the soul, your soul will take a direction either to be in glory with Christ or either to go down to hell in a Christless eternity? Therefore, friend, a sobering text here tonight that speaks for itself, for there was not a preacher like the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, I want to preach to you here on the tragedy of a lost soul. Firstly, then, I want to go through uh, three minor points. My first point is going to be the value God places upon your soul. The Lord Jesus Christ makes it very clear that everyone in the human race has a soul. Well, the world doesn't believe that man has a soul. The teaching of this fallen world has theories such as the theory of evolution that teaches that man came from the beast in the fields. But Christ makes it clear here tonight that every single person has a soul. Notice his words at the end of the text. And lose his own soul. Christ has proclaimed that we have a soul. In the account of creation, we see right away that from the dust of the ground, that man was in a lifeless state. That man was in a lifeless state until the day that God intervened, as it states in Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. You see here, friend, as man came from a lifeless estate, when God intervened, he became a living soul. The framework of man was the mere dust of the ground. 
You did not come from a cesspool of cells, you can say. You did not come from the beast of the field, but out of nothing. God created man a living soul. Something since the ruin of humanity that this world has never been able to grasp. The framework of man was the mere dust of the ground. Man was made different from the beast of the field as we have a soul that is eternal. And the Word tells us that the body will eventually go back into the ground in Genesis 3.19, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, and unto dust shalt thou return. You see, you can't take anything with you. Whatever material gain that you see in this earth is only temporal. At one billionaire's funeral, when he had a great enterprise business, when he was laid to rest, there was two people talking in the pews as they laid him to rest. One man went to his friend, and he asked him, he says, I wonder what he left behind. And well, the other friend looked at him, and he paused for a moment, and he said everything. He said, that's a very foolish thing to say because, well, the casket's not big enough anyways. Well, you see, it was a very foolish question. Because the other man knew that he left everything behind. You see, the value of a soul is worth more than any material gain that this world has to offer. As the Lord makes it clear, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. So high a value that God places upon the souls of men that He sent His own Son. He sent His own Son from the splendors of heaven to come down to this sin-cursed world to save the lost. It's a big value. A greater value than we ought to think because so great a love. As we often think of that great illustration as a mother's love towards her child. But even a greater love than this, the love of the Father towards the Son. To come to dwell in a God-forsaken earth, taken by sin, to redeem the souls of many to Himself. Yes, God places a value on the soul very higher, uh, much higher than you see the world places it. But we see here, sparing not His own Son, my friend, redemption will only come once. It's a sobering question here tonight. Redemption will only come once. There's not multiple uh, Christ coming. It's a once-for-all sacrifice, as Hebrews says. There's only one chance to come. And in this life, you only have one of it. And friend, that you would choose life here tonight. My second point here is the value man places on his soul. There is another value in which the unbelievers of this world, they place on their soul. And it is very cheap. Man also places a value on his soul. He places it as very little 
to no value at all. As the gain of this world over the value of his own soul, that many would engulf themselves in the pleasures of this world rather than take regard for the well-being of their souls? Well, you see, it's the mere opposite of the Lord Jesus Christ and His teaching, for He compares this whole worldly gain as He says, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You see, the Lord knows what's in the hearts of men. The Lord knows what raves in the deepest caverns of the heart, and He challenges the very notion of what man believes on this earth to be the greatest gain. Notice the word if. In our text, the Lord Jesus Christ, He does an if statement. He does an if statement as He says here, notice the word if. If it were even possible. The Lord Jesus Christ, He's telling them that even if it were possible, even if you could attain absolute domination of this world, you could have all the power, and you actually did it. The Lord is saying, what would it profit you? Even if it could be attained. And throughout all the ages, we understand that there has been wars, life for life, uh, socialism and Marxism and communism, that it all has to do with gaining something. It all has to do with ground being taken, territory being taken. It all has to do with gain. Oh, without a doubt, it's been in the hearts of men since the fall of man. You see, the most valuable thing you have tonight is not your house or your car or your bank account. It's your soul. As the Lord goes on to place a very high value upon your soul. There's nothing you possess that is more valuable than your soul. You can put a value on everything you possess all that you own, but all of this is not to be compared to your own soul. You see here, as Jesus tells us a story, as Jesus tells us a story in Luke chapter 12, a very well-known story, uh, lots of people know it, about a rich farmer, about a rich farmer who had many possessions. Christ goes on to tell us a story in Luke 12 verse 16, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Verse 19 goes on to say, And I will say to my soul, there it is, friends, he's talking to his own soul. You can say he's chosen his fate here. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, 
and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided? The rich farmer never took thought of his soul and that where he would spend eternity. He never had an idea where his soul was going. The parable of this is not that he had many possessions. It's not that he had much money. It's that he didn't have any regard for his own soul. Soul. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It was all about his careless and neglect for his own soul. The value man places upon his own soul is absolutely nothing. It's a careless figure. And you can see it today in the depravity of this earth that none have taken the care of their own souls. You can say the, the, the value of the souls are cheap. Friend, would you not understand here tonight that you will lose your soul for all eternity if you do not come and repent of your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Know this, that you have a soul and that is eternal and that it needs to be saved. Friend, as the world doesn't like to differentiate between the beast of the field and the human being, as I buried my dog last year, as I had it in my arms, and it was taking its last breaths. That's a hard thing. Because you love your dog. That's your companion. That's man's best friend. As you have it in your arms and it's taking its last breaths, it hurts. But it came to my head that it's only a dog. How much more then? How much more then is there a value to those that are dying in their sin? The value and utter tragedy of a lost soul. Oh friend, you were made different from the beast of the field. Would you understand that you were made different? Thirdly, there is also a value that the devil puts on your soul. There's a great foe that also knows the value of the souls of men, placing it even higher than man itself. As God puts a value on man's soul, so does the great adversary, the devil, who roams around like a roaring lion, is seeking to whom he may devour. In Luke 8, verse 12, it reads and makes it very clear the motive of the devil. Notice what it reads here. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. The devil comes to confound the minds even in a church service. When the gospel is preached, and they leave the service. And once, very quickly, a thought will come into their heads. 
to derive them of the gospel message. Lest they should believe and be saved. And taketh away the word out of their hearts or memories, that little of it which is retained there and diverts their minds from it by other objects so that they quite forget what they have heard. Here, as it states, Satan being an enemy to the salvation of souls does all that he can do to hinder their faith in Jesus Christ. Well, it makes perfect sense that sinners do not place a value on their soul. Moreover, do not even believe that they have a soul and that it needs to be saved. Who's behind that? The devil tries to hide the truth. And that's why we preach the truth in this place. The light of the glorious gospel that shines into the hearts of men to enlighten them and to show them their great need of a Savior. Oh, you see, the devil tries to hide the truth. Friend, if you're not saved here tonight, your soul is in great danger. Remember the ruin of man as the devil speaks in Genesis 3 verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods. As the devil uh, leaves this bait in front of Adam and Eve saying you're going to be like gods, as the original puts it, you're going to be as Elohim. Mighty gods, beings of higher order, you're going to have dominion over this world, you're going to gain something. But instead of gaining the world, they became waygates to sin. An entrance for sin to come into this world. Broken pieces of humanity. As the devil uses the same tactics today uh, to uh, build a mirage upon uh, people's minds to show them that material gain is worth more than even your soul. He uses illusions. People destroying their marriages because of businesses. Uh, People uh, for money uh, killing because of money. You see the wickedness that comes. But money itself is not wicked. Building a business is not wicked. But as the Bible teaches us, it's the love of money that's wicked. Where your hearts are, there will your treasures be also. If your treasures lie within the material things of this world, then surely it will stay there. The devil has been using the same tactics ever since the day that our first parents have fell. Ye shall be as gods. And ever since the ruin of man in the deepest caverns of the wickedness of the heart, man has since that day had that deep desire to take over the world. There had to be this gain. You would think they would have learned a lesson. 
After the Lord destroyed the earth with the flood, you think they would learn. But instead, a Nimrod comes and they begin to build a tower right to go to heaven. There's got to be something to gain. Wars. Life for life. Wicked kings to expand their territory over war. The devil has greatly succeeded in these things. He's greatly succeeded. Alexander the Great in 356 BC, the Macedonians claimed him as their own. And Alexander the Great was a king of the ancient Greek kingdom of Macedon. He succeeded his father, Philip II, to the throne in 336 BC. At the age of 20, he spent most of his ruling years conducting a lengthy military campaigns throughout all Western Asia and Egypt. And by the age of 30, he had created one of the largest empires that history have ever seen. By the age of 30, he had created one of the largest empires all the way from Greece to northwestern India. He was undefeated in battle and is widely considered to be one of history's greatest and most successful military commanders. But as the prophecy of Daniel tells us, foreseeing the great destruction, the great horn was broken. The great horn was broken and at the tender age of 33, at the tender age of 33, all of Alexander the Great's accomplishments, moving vast troops across lands, moving supplies, having foes that even the name of Alexander the Great would bring great terror to them. But at the tender age of 33, all of his worldly accomplishments, all of his gain that he aspired to be, diminished away in just a short moment of time, slipped through the grasp of his hands, only to be known as a historical event in history. Well, what are you trying to get at? What would his testimony be today? What would Alexander the Great's testimony be today? All of his accomplishments when the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, when he challenged the notion of men and he said, even if it were possible, even if it could be done and you had the power to do it. Many have tried. I tell you, his testimony would be just one drop of cold water to cool the tongue. He would gladly exchange it all just for one drop to cool the tongue. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole entire world and lose his own soul. Friend, know this. Your soul is eternal. It's worth more anything that this whole world has to offer. The great prophet Moses knew this. 
Moses knew the teachings of Christ. Moses knew exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying when he said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? In the epistle to the Hebrews, I draw your attention there. Look at here, Hebrews 11, verse 24. A very important portion of Scripture. It says here, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Moses could have had everything. Moses could have had all that Egypt had to offer. Do you understand what position Moses was in? And even one day aspiring to become Pharaoh himself. All the power, all the wealth, all the positions of power, even the potential to becoming Pharaoh. You think about that. Verse 26 goes on to read, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, meaning he was willing to esteem the reproach of all those that were cursing the name of the Messiah and the problems that was going to come to him by following and being identified with the people of God. He was embracing that. He was embracing the esteeming the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. For the account of Christ, for his faith in the Messiah, he was willing to bear the reproaches for his belief. And he gave all his prospects away. He gave all the wealth and all the power that Egypt had to offer, all the material gain that could be before his eyes. And the world today would say, Moses, you are completely haywire. Why wouldn't you take the power? Give me the position. Give me the power. Give me Pharaoh. The Lord Jesus Christ, He challenges the notion of men. And He says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Maybe you're saying, preacher, well, I'm a believer, but I don't have much. Preacher, I don't have much. Maybe you're saying, I don't have much money. I don't have a great position in this life. I I don't have a house. I don't have a car. I don't really have much. Listen to me, friend. Listen to me, if you have Christ here tonight, then you're wealthy beyond all measure. Then you've gained the greatest thing that this world ever has to offer. 
But lay up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. I ask the question here tonight, where is the riches of Egypt today? Where's all the gold and the pillars and all they built to offer Moses at his fingertips? Moses foresaw. It's all destroyed. Corroded. Stolen by thieves. Destroyed in war. Moses made a decision based off of his faith in Jesus Christ. He knew the value of his soul. Greater riches. Esteeming the reproach of Christ. Goes hand in hand with our text. Moses made a decision based off of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. May that be your decision here tonight. If you're not saved, friend, I plead with you. Stay after the service. Come to an elder. Someone will sit down and they'll plead with you. Know the value of your soul. Know that there is an eternity. You're not like the beast of the field. You're going to take a direction when it comes to death. Either you're going to be with Christ or you're going to be in a Christless eternity. In conclusion, friend, as we come full circle here tonight, know how much value the Lord Jesus Christ has placed upon the souls of men. It is worth more than anything in this world. The world talks about investments. It talks about gain. It talks about financial gain. It doesn't talk about the need of a sinner to come to Christ. All you have to do is look at the cross. There you will see the true value that God has put on your own soul. All His sufferings, the value never changed. The value will change in this earth. House prices will change. Car prices will change. Gas prices will change. Cost of living will change. The value upon your soul will never change. For God set a value right when He promised that seed of a woman would come. When men were ruined pieces of humanity, God stepped in, sparing not His own Son, sparing not His own Son, to the saving of the soul. And friend, I tell you this, all His sufferings, the value never changed. Even when He went to Golgotha's hill, what is that that you want this morning or tonight? Are you not saved? What is it that you want? I ask you the question personally. What is it that you want? Is it money? You listening online, what is it that you want? Is it money? Is it power? Is it material gain? The greatest thing you could ever do in this world, the greatest gain that anyone could ever attain is not to conquer the world but rather it's to come to faith in Jesus Christ. The greatest thing you can ever do. I leave it before you and that you that have a soul and that it needs to be saved. My friend, the world laughs at the notion that there is a hell. It's a laughable subject. But know this, 
They can only laugh their way down to hell as there's only one entrance, for there's no way out. Think of Alexander the Great and his testimony. Just one drop, and he'd exchange it all. Friend, a solemn message here tonight. A very solemn message. Here we understand that there is no escape. May there be a seriousness of the value of your soul. As we end for tonight's message, we end with Horatio Spafford's great hymn. Humanly speaking, those who do not know him, he was a very successful lawyer. He was a godly man. However, his life took a turn for the worst. After the traumatic events in Spafford's life, the first two were the death of his four-year-old son and the great Chicago fire of 1871, which ruined him financially. His business interests were further hit by the economic downturn of 1873 at which time he had planned to travel to England with his family to help with D.L. Moody's upcoming evangelistic campaigns. In the late change of plan, he sent his family ahead to send them first as he dealt with his business. But even worse than that, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank. And after a collision with another sea vessel, And all four of Spafford's daughters died. His wife Anna survived and sent him now the famous telegram, Saved Alone! Shortly afterwards, as Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired when he passed the ship where his daughters had died. Spafford lost everything. He lost his finances, all that he owned. Even worse than that, he lost his family. But yet in all his losses, and all everything that was taken from him and destroyed, he was able to pen one of the greatest hymns ever known to man. It is well, it is well with my soul. He was able to find comfort in knowing the value of his soul knowing that once again he would see his family in glory. So friend, let us sing it tonight, knowing that Spafford even knew the value of a soul. Let us sing, It is well, it is well with my soul. Hymn number 371. Let us stand to sing.
gracious Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again, O Lord. We can come to Thy throne of grace, Lord, that we can truly understand that all the gain of this world is nothing compared to a lost state. Lord, we understand the sufferings of Christ. And Lord, we pray if there is one here with a blind eye, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, enable them to come. Lord, we pray most of all, lead them to Calvary. Bring us encouragement, Lord. Depart us with thy blessing. Bless everyone here. We ask of all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.